This is episode 104 of the Rising Man podcast with Orion Ohev, where magic meets science. Good morning, family. I hope y'all are feeling good out there, feeling good in your lives. And if you're not feeling good, I pray that you're in the midst of something that is shaping you, something that's helping you become more of who you are. That's the thing. So many wishes and desires are for things to be good. We often wish away the most formative moments in our lives because they're uncomfortable. Well, I say bring it on. We got more life to do, right? Bring on those hard times. Bring on those challenges and the good times. Bring on all of it because it's what makes a full experience of life. So wherever you're at right now, just know that it's all good. It's all good. It's exactly where you're supposed to be. And for those moments where you don't know what to do or how to be with yourself, reach out to somebody anybody reach out to me reach out to the men in the rising man community somebody give pick up the phone call somebody and let them know that you're going through it because you're not the only one you're not the only one all right before we get into today's episode we got some big changes stepping into 2020 many of which i'm sure you've all been seeing throughout the rising man space first of all all rising man content events and information will now be housed at risingman.org so that's everything from the podcast to our fire circles to information about compass call of the warrior everything that's going to be coming up in the rising man space is going to be at risingman.org so go over there check it out it's been all designed out and put together by my man rowan so big ups to rowan tyne thank you brother for doing that also If you're a man stepping into the new year 2020 and you don't have a men's circle, then wait no longer. Join us inside the Rising Man Fire Circle for just $67 a month. You get access to your own men's team, monthly training calls with me, guest presenters, and so much more. There's no excuse for you not to have a circle of men in your life now. You can be anywhere in the world. All you need is a Wi-Fi signal. All right. And also, if you're feeling the call to ceremonially mark your passage into manhood, to clarify your purpose and create lifelong brotherhood with nine other men, then apply to participate in our four day vision fast called Compass. Information and a link to Compass and all the things that are pertaining to that is over at risingman.org. We got a few spots left for the spring, so go check it out right now and reserve your spot today. Okay, my guest for today is Orion Ohev. Orion supports and empowers others to remember their deepest truth clearing anything in the way of its fullest expression. At the intersection of magic and science, he teaches tools and techniques based in quantum physics, energetic anatomy, shamanism, and neuroscience for a holistic approach to full expression based in a decade of study and personal exploration with teachers from around the globe. In this episode, we discussed the intersection of magic and science. What does that really mean? And where does the masculine meet the feminine? How much responsibility can we take for ourselves? And how do we engage in a life of radical responsibility? Responsibility. We talked about when the wounds from our past are running the show, how to overcome this in order to become the men that we want to be. What is your most natural masculine feminine ratio? We discussed this idea that as humans, we have natural orientation towards masculine or feminine. So are you 80% masculine in your life and 20% feminine or 50-50, some other ratio in there? And what that actually means and how to take ownership of that. We discussed the differences between mothering and fathering. What does a healthy integrated feminine look like in a man and how beliefs impact the brain and form our identity this and so much more without further ado orion ohev (laughs) 
All right, Rising Man family, another man stepping up to the plate to drop his wisdom on all of us today. My brother from down in Escondido, California, Orion Ohev. How are you, man? I am doing amazing. So excited to be here and, and just experience this podcast with you. I'm, I'm so psyched. Yes, man. Likewise, likewise. I There's something in your bio that really struck me when you talk about the intersection of magic and science. I was like, ah, it's where the masculine and the feminine meet. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to your perspective on this conversation. Because one of the things I've learned most from doing The Rising Man for almost two years now is that there's very different definitions for man and woman, Uh masculine, feminine, male, female, all these descriptors Uh that usually get lumped under the same category. So I'm looking forward to seeing where this carries us because I know that you've got a large breadth of wisdom and experience to speak from. Yeah, me too. Thanks. Great. So let's kick it off where we start every one of these conversations. For you, what is the difference between a boy and a man? Hmm, Great question. I love that. So for me, it it all goes around personal responsibility because I do, you know, as a lot of people talk about, there's not this formal initiation that really happens anymore that, that happens in tribal societies, right? So it's the choice to be a boy or a man to me is present in each moment. And there's constant ongoing choice. So there's, because there's nothing that can define what makes you a man, it really comes down to how much responsibility can you take for your life, for your actions, for your emotions, for how you impact others, and the freedom that actually comes with that. Because not only does that help you live a more full life and a more a life that attracts the women or the relationships or the work you want to you, but it also really helps give the freedom to everyone around you to really be all of themselves. And to me, that that really is what makes you a man. Mm. Yeah, I, I hear a thread of leadership in your description there and it makes me think of that TED Talk. I don't know if you saw that TED Talk about being the first follower. There's like the guy doing the crazy dance and he's like bringing someone comes over and starts dancing with them. And then the, he's talking about mm. how a movement gets started yeah. and something about giving others the permission to fully be themselves that is important for for me at least to be the man that I want to be, but also just to be a human, to be an adult, to be a leader, to be a parent, to be an influencer in one's community. That's what it requires is to deconstruct as many of those filters that we develop when we're trying to survive as kids in the world, right? Exactly. Yeah. I love the word survive there, right? Like moving from surviving to consciously choosing and consciously creating. And not needing anyone. One thing I talk about a lot is becoming your own caretaker. So that to me is really the switch from boy to man is when you become your own caretaker. And I think that's a journey, you know, that that men go on. There's no shame in in when, you know, I'm still I'm 35 and still sometimes really looking at where do I not trust myself to be my own caretaker. So it's that ability to be vulnerable and look and keep looking at where can I still step up to fully care for myself, not that I don't need others, but that I've got me and know when I can rely on someone else without needing them to validate me or make me feel okay. But it's more like an emotional connection. Yes. And a lot of times we draw these stark contrasts between boy, man, man, woman, but it's not stepping over a line. <laughs> Something yeah. metaphorically it could be, or ritually it could be, claiming one's manhood, stepping across that threshold, like we do when we take guys out for vision quest. But it is, it's 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 a never-ending journey, a never-ending process of leaning into the next edge, leaning into the next area mm-hmm. of discomfort. I mean, I don't think it ever stops. I sit in circles with guys in their 70s who are 
brave and courageous enough to still take off their mask at that point and say, I still don't know what I'm doing. I'm still mm-hmm. figuring out how to be the best version of myself. So yeah. I think that's another quality of a man is always having that willingness to go internal, to investigate how I'm showing up and looking for where I can better my best every day. Yes. And, you know, it's funny, we're, we're all parents. That's the beautiful thing. Like one of the initiations, you know, in this Western society of like when I think of like something, I was just actually talking with my friend yesterday about this. About like I, I still feel like a boy running around the world most of the time. Like, what makes me an adult? Like, when am I actually an adult? Like, I'm just figuring this life out, kind of playing the game. And I realize like my only visual of being a man is the picket fence, the wife, the two kids, all of that. So if if that's not there, then what what makes you a man? But you always have the the ability to be a parent, mm. right? Because there's so many parts of ourselves inside of us. The inter I talk about the uh, internal kingdom a lot, right? And there's a bunch of like characters in our internal play that live in this kingdom. Mm-hmm. And there are the, the various versions of ourselves that may have been traumatized at different moments that need a lot of parenting. So when I talk about personal responsibility, I talk about it from a place of love and compassion, not the hardness of like, let's, uh, I need to take responsibility for my life and, and provide and do all, that's all the conditioning. What I'm talking about is the actual, like looking at where, are you coming from, where does the a wounded version of you sitting on your throne running the show and how can you step back in as the parent and love that part of yourself and welcome that part of yourself in and also help, help him like remember, remind him that there's like a playground he can play in. You know, he doesn't have to sit on the throne and try to stress out to try to protect you. You can relax and, and you, that's where the empowerment, the self-empowerment comes from. I like that. I really like that. I, I want to ask you a specific question about your example there. When you imagine, from, let's say for most guys who you're inviting to be a parent to themselves, to that inner child who's, who's wounded, do you find that it's more often they need to be more maternal to themselves or more hmm. paternal? Is it more of a mothering or more of a fathering that's necessary or is it not so distinct? Hmm. Yeah, I'd say it's not so distinct. And I'd say that's where there's the, there's the inner masculine energy and the inner feminine energy and that all of us are both. So when we talk about being a man, it's not like always needing to be the, the oriented towards the masculine. I believe all men have a different ratio of the masculine and feminine energy that is their truth, their aligned truth, and like really tapping into that. So what I work with with men is helping them tap into what is their balanced energy within that is most aligned and most true for them. And then being that, like tapping into that, looking at all the shame or anything that may come up around, this doesn't match what I've heard a man should be and getting that out of the way first. And then the parenting comes from there, from the authentic truth. So it's different for every man. But when I bring them inside to go parent their, their inner child, it comes from, I would say, probably more so the feminine mm-hmm. of the holding and the allowing of the not being so hard at least in the beginning, when you're first building that relationship, it's just the holding, the loving, like you can be afraid, you can do whatever you need to be right now. You're allowed, you're allowed in the space. And then after that, that part of the person feels comfortable, it's drawing on the masculine then to like, remember like, okay, and now like, I know you want to be in charge, you want to protect me, but I, I, I'm in charge, here are the rules, here's where your place is in my kingdom. Hmm. So it's like kind of starting with the feminine moving into the masculine. Hmm. Fascinating, man. I, I had a conversation not too long ago, I guess it's a few months back with another man who who came on, Shems Hartwell. I don't know if you know Shems, 
we, we opened up this dialogue. We were talking about that first question about boy and man and the journey to becoming a man. And essentially we came up with all of the men that we witness as boys help us develop this archetype of a father. Because mm. most of us have a father archetype, if, even if he was a great father, is not complete. And that's why we go and seek the guidance, the wisdom of uncles, of, of other men, mm-hmm. of the other mentors in our lives. And at least for me, I know I've created this amalgamation. I, I guess it's more of a mosaic of manhood mm. from the best of the best of the best men that I've encountered in my life. And mm. that's become my avatar for the mm. father that I want to be for myself and the father I, I want to be that. for my son. And so we talked specifically about fathering and about the, the masculine side of that. I've never really contemplated the mothering, the internal mother in, in each mm. of us. And frankly, a lot of men's circles that I sit in would hear that and say, dude, that's, you're going the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Any, anything mothering is like, push that aside. <laughs> that's, that's, that's comfort. That's too gentle. That's, that's getting soft. Mm-hmm. So I think you'd bring a, bring a great voice to that. So I wonder if you'd speak mm. to those guys who might hear that and have the mm. brakes start skidding. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Thanks for the space to to talk about that. You know, that is a missing piece, I think, in a lot of men's work today is the feminine. You know, when I first started to do men's circles and different things like that, I, I really sat and thought, like, what actually brings all men together, right? Like, what is the one thing we can actually connect on? Because there's different sexual identities all across the spectrum. There's different, like, ways you approach work and family and so many different things. So I never wanted to approach men's work from the the warrior alone, right? Going into the warrior archetype and all of that and mastering that because I've always been much more feminine and had to develop my masculine energy along the way. Mm-hmm. What I really came to was that the real thing for me that draws all men together is conditioning. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing that feels in common between all men, however you relate to yourself or your sexuality or any part of yourself. We, there's a definition of men of how we should be based on the society we live, how we should look. So coming together around what we're being conditioned to look like and then uniquely where we're different. And the feminine aspect is the most thing we've been conditioned to not allow ourselves to be in. Mm. And it's what drives a lot of men to heart disease, to emotional pain, to you know not deeply connected relationships or a challenge with relationships and for the men that are like running away from the idea of, of allowing more feminine energy in, it's the feminine energy is actually what, when mixed balance with the masculine energy, it's what gives, actually what makes you more attractive. Mm-hmm. It's what, in my experience, has made me more attractive and, and what has helped my intimacy. And because it's the ability to feel and receive and receive love and receive abundance and uh all it, it's the whole idea is about receiving mm-hmm. so while we're being masculine and trying to like fight and do and prove ourselves and show ourselves and and like push through there's this feminine aspect that we have within us that is being suppressed and is not allowed to flourish and to express that can really ease up all the pressure we put on ourselves to move forward. So to me, it's the most crucial, crucial piece is actually leading with the feminine as a man. Hmm. Fascinating, dude. So let's, let's do this. Let's take a half a step back. I'd like to hear your definitions of masculine and feminine. Mm. And then after that, I'd like you, maybe you can just kind of migrate into it. Speaking about what a healthy feminine looks like Mm. in a modern man. Mm. I love that. Masculine energy to me is the decisiveness, directness, like knowing the path forward when the direction is there that you can go along the path and make the choices that you need to make to do what needs to be done. Mm. And the feminine is kind of the 
receiving of the path. So it's the pausing, the surrendering, the like, taking a breath, knowing that like the path is in your heart and accessible in each moment. And if you're too much in your mind trying to figure out the path and do the path and do the things, you'll miss the path. So the feminine to me is more like the compass and the the directional guide. That's why I say like to me it's really important to start with the feminine, to start with the pause, to start with the spaciousness, to start with the receiving, mm-hmm. to hearing your truth deep within, not from your mind. And then once that you land there and you feel it, then the masculine becomes the tools on the path as you move forward. Hmm. Beautiful, man. Just reflecting on my own experience, I've spent, gosh, it's going on eight years. No, that's too long. Going on seven years on a, on a men's team where it's, we call it, we call ourselves a men's team. And one of our highest values is the practice of masculinity. And so in that particular space, it's, it's where we direct our attention to. We mm-hmm. amplify that definition of masculinity you just gave, that direction, precision, simplicity, a sense of honor and commitment. And mm-hmm. we really mm-hmm. double down on those values to develop that part of ourselves. And mm-hmm. the guys coming in have different, I would say, ratios of masculinity and femininity on a baseline level. But when we come into that space for mm-hmm. you know those few hours we get together, it's like, hey, we're practicing our masculine here. It's not to say that femininity doesn't show up because I don't think you can create a masculine vacuum or a feminine vacuum Mm. entirely. It's like one of those universal laws. It's like too much of that energy in one space creates like a black hole or something. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, And I'm looking at where I spend time in my life where the masculine and the feminine is beautifully woven together. And if Mm -hmm. if I imagine that mirror for how I see the world, it's not the masculine or the feminine having leverage over the other it's really the communion between the two Mm. and when we go out and we fast for four days and four nights there's the masculine side of simply going out there with nothing no food no distractions just your survival gear it's a very masculine thing you're going out into the wilderness and you know that that warrior spirit but the connection with spirit that happens there the Mm. the conversation Mm -hmm. with nature and the elements and all things is very feminine yep it's a very feminine thing and so I'm just noticing within myself that there, there is a communion between the two. And it's important for me to say that I don't think that there is a ratio that's that's right, quote unquote. Yep. It's, it's more, like you said earlier, for every man to decide for himself. And in yep. even, even my own learning curve in calling this the Rising Man podcast, there's a lot of people out there who will identify as men who some people may not look at them and say that's a man. Yeah, And I think... You know, what's the difference between a man and a woman? I think it's really, at this point in, in human history, it's whatever we choose. Mm. It's, it's, if, it's if you say so. Do you say that you're a man? Hmm. And, and if so, by what measure? And by what measure like do you that. measure yourself a man from? It opens up such an interesting dialogue. And I'm sure you have a lot to say about this just from what I can sense in your perspective of masculine, feminine, and, and men's work. Mm. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I love that idea of just, it, we get to choose, we get to choose who we are and actually choose the definition of it. It just brings me to like the fact that it's just labels, right? Another way to label ourselves, label what a man is. And that, again, was the, the biggest challenge for me when I decided I want to work with men is what is a man? Like what actually makes a man? And mm. how do you connect to all people that identify as men or choose to identify as men when it's so varied? Hmm. And uh, you're right. You know, I think that's really interesting. Like getting to just choose, we each get to almost choose what that means 
for ourselves, choose what it means to be a man. And that's part of that self-empowerment. That's part of that self-responsibility of we can each have our own unique perspective of what it means to be a man and conform together as, as a brotherhood still to support each other and give that space to explore and dialogue and continue to evolve and what it means to be a man and what is the most what is the thing that's going to support our lives the most the the definition and support those around us and our impact on the planet yeah man i I love that i think there's if i'm not mistaken i can't think of the the tribe off the top of my head right now but i think there's actually many tribes in ancient cultures who don't actually have a word for man or woman there's words for father there's words for mother but they, they don't some some of these cultures don't make a differentiation between man or woman because they're just the people, right? And they see there's there's a much more communal context to the way that they arrange their lives and their culture and traditions. So it's mm. more looking at that you're a part of this living, breathing organism that we call ourselves. We call ourselves the people, whatever word they have for that. And so it's interesting just how much emphasis we put on labels, categories, titles, distinctions mm-hmm. that creates more differentiation between us and. Ultimately, I think less connection. Is it okay if I get a little geeky? Yeah, do it. Real quick. All right. So this is a really topic that's close to my heart and important for me is the spirituality of our vehicles. And what you're speaking to is what happens with labels is on an energetic level. We have the physical body, which we can see. And then we have three unseen bodies that we're also renting during this lifetime the etheric body, an emotional body, and a mental body. And the etheric body is kind of a spirit, almost like a spirit duplicate of our physical body. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of where the chi flows and where energy, where it's connected into the meridian system. And then there's the emotional body that's responsible for really connecting to the flow of, of nature and the flow of emotion. And it's where emotions get stuck. And then it's the, there's the mental body, which is kind of the barrier, the actual end of our, our vehicle, where we end and someone else begins. Mm-hmm. And what happens, there's actually energetic material for every thought and every belief that we hold. And as we start to believe certain things about ourselves based on labels that we're told, we start to put beliefs in our mental body and they start to form this like, wall. And a few beliefs are good. It's like our vehicle is meant to have some beliefs. It gives us structure. It gives us a way to navigate this human existence. But what happens is most of us choose so many beliefs and have so many, and we hold on to them with dear life. Like this is the way I need to navigate my life that we become inflexible Hmm. and get stuck in who we think we are, who we've been told we should be Hmm. by all these labels. And then the beautiful thing about the vehicle is that it's designed to release beliefs and replace them with new ones. If we let it, if we remember that we can just, and it's the feminine again, if we remember that we can just like, we don't need to like focus and like change so much, it's just like, ah, like relax, like receive support, receive divine light into the vehicle, which we are, the vehicle is also a medium for the material to the spiritual existence to allow that divine light in and to transform and transmute some of these old beliefs so that new ones can take form at the different stages of our evolution. Hmm. Okay, man, let's let's tap into some of your expertise right now, especially for the guys out there. I'm with you. I'm sure there are some guys who are like, ooh, I'm not quite with you, bro. I don't I don't understand. I don't speak that language. How, how could you bring that down to the earth to make it really simple for the guys who are not as esoterically organized? Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. I can tie it in neurologically, right? So this is kind of the I think you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast this idea of where magic meets science. That was kind of the magic part, right? And science has also measured these unseen bodies. So there is some science behind it as well. 
neurologically what happens when we go through some trauma or we are told we need to be something that we're not and we choose a belief in that moment based on like, okay, it's not safe to be who I am because this, 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 or this happened. It's not safe. So I need to now choose a belief to protect myself from whatever thing might harm me. Mm-hmm. A part of the brain actually gets neurologically cordoned off to support that protection. Mm-hmm. It get, It's like a traumatized part of the brain that just gets, it stops growing, it stops developing. Mm-hmm. So, and its sole purpose is to make sure whatever happened, it never happens again. So the belief that could be flexible could just be, yeah, like for right now, I believe that I'm an athlete, you know, for in, in my teenage years. It becomes like identified with so hard because it becomes a part of yourself. Like you need to maybe in this example, your father told you you had to be an athlete. That's the way you're seen valuable as a man. Like you mm. need to be powerful and strong. So like this, to an unhealthy extent, someone may work out or go to the gym and just try to stay in crazy shape all the time because now it's tied to his work. Mm-hmm. So that is what's happening in the brain at the physical level with beliefs. And what I was speaking about, the esoteric side of it is energetically, there's energetic formation that gets assigned to that as well. Hmm. So c- cool, man. I really like this. I've never looked at it this way before, but what it sounds like to me is the beliefs that we create are all serving our survival on some level, maybe our physical survival, our emotional survival, spiritual survival. So for me, a physical survival is when you touch a hot pan when you're a kid, the mm-hmm. first time you touch something hot, it's like, oh, ouch, <laughs> that hurts. It makes an imprint that reminds you, hey, when something's been on the stove, don't touch it. It's probably going to be hot. It's probably going to hurt. That's like protecting. That's protecting the body. Maybe another one for that more the mental emotional side is, oh, I asked out a really cute girl uh, and told her I liked her and tried to kiss her and she pushed me away and everybody made fun of me. So mm-hmm. I'm going to start believing that that's not safe and not a safe thing to do. It's, it's risky. It hurts. So don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and even a spiritual survival but, or beliefs, spiritual beliefs that, you know, a lot of times they tell kids that there's, uh, there's a heaven when they start the conversation mm-hmm. of, of death and dying, that there's heaven where everybody goes to after they pass to help us navigate the world and trust that, well, if something happens to me or somebody I love, at least they're going to go somewhere where I can see them again. Mm-hmm. All yep. these mechanisms that help us feel a little more safe and secure in the world, because the reality is, is that it's it's just it's just not all, all these. A lot of these beliefs we have are illusions of safety and security. Yeah, exactly, and it's where the external environment is. You know, sometimes consciously and with malicious intent, and sometimes unconsciously trying to take our power away or mm-hmm. uh, allow us. I don't believe anyone could take our power away, but create conditions where we'll give our power away mm-hmm. by creating some kind of fear. Mm-hmm. Um, by creating some kind of control. It's like, how can you, if, if you know that if you follow these rules, you're going to go to heaven, then cool. Like you're now not going to do anything outside of those rules and therefore giving away some part of your expression. And power. Right. Right, man. Yeah. Well, I think that's, it's a really cool distinction to make. I'm glad that, thank you for taking the time to do that. Cause we, I know that we've talked about it before we started recording in this large, vast terrain of men's work. It's a, it's a big spectrum. It's a huge field where there's masculine and feminine on either pole and men fall into different quadrants of that, of that full spectrum. And so it's, it's, yeah. I think it's really important to be able to bring a common language to the table where anybody who identifies as a man can speak. And anybody mm-hmm. who identifies as a human can actually speak to these things and share about them. And yep. I think it's a good point to pivot 
into another area of your expertise and brilliance, which I think a lot of guys will also resonate when we, when we say the word king or kingdom, mm. right? Yeah. I think of autonomy, sovereignty. This is what mm-hmm. I was waiting for when I was a boy, looking up at all the guys who were doing <laughs> what they want and, you know, have a marriage and a family and a job. It's like mm-hmm. the kingdom and those like the holy mm-hmm. grail. And you talk about mastering the internal kingdom. Tell me what mm. that means. What is that about? Yeah, it's about shifting the perspective from what you just said, right? Of of where we're looking as boys and like looking up at like, oh, what is our external kingdom going to look should look like? So I have the the hottest wife or the 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 biggest house or whatever, you know. So I look the most manly, and to shift that perspective because the external kingdom, and if the focus is on the external kingdom, and your internal kingdom isn't aligned with what you want, you're gonna just keep creating the thing you don't want. So Mm. the internal kingdom, what I talk about when I say that is kind of all the characters in the play. Mm. Some of it is the wounded children that are cordoned off in the different parts of our brain protecting Mm. us, right? Mm. They're running around our internal kingdom. And uh, there's other, the Jungian archetypes, you know, the, the king, the warrior, the lover, the magician. They're all characters in our kingdom, in the king's court, whatever you want to call it. So there's this whole internal landscape and world inside that quite often, quite early on, we, as, as the sovereign, as the king, as the, the soul of the body that is inhabiting this body, we at some point give our power away and come off our internal throne. Mm. We kind of let our emotions run things. We let our wounding run things. We let our deep desires to be something that maybe isn't what we truly want to run things. And so mastering the internal kingdom is acknowledging like, yeah, I want my external world to look different. But the fastest way to actually make it look different is to identify what doesn't look right in your external world and then going inside and seeing what inside you is that a reflection of mm. what, what part of you, what character in your kingdom is sitting on the throne right now that is causing that reality to form around you. Hmm. Interesting, because I've, I've done a lot of work with archetypes. I know there's different, everybody's using that as a scaffolding now for a lot of men's work. Yep. In your perspective, if we say that the throne is like master control center for uh, mm-hmm. for a man, right? Do you see that there's is the king always supposed to be the one sitting on the throne? Is the warrior does the warrior need a turn to sit on the throne, or is there a different way that you scheme it up in your mind for helping guys make a plan for themselves? Yeah, the way I scheme it up is that the the king should always be on the throne. So mm-hmm. that's the like rightful place for the king to sit, because the king, you know, archetype is all about calm in the chaos and, you know, expecting the miracles to happen, expecting his kingdom to, to form and expecting the people that are in the kingdom to do their roles and kind of, you know, a king's time is sought after. Mm-hmm. So it's like embodying that internally so that you can then embody that externally and start to expect your external kingdom to fall into place as you desire it to, because mm-hmm. you are the king. So internally, when the king is on the throne, because if the warrior's on the throne, that's what quite often happens when you're doing, 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 doing. The warrior is amazing energy that when, when like push comes to shove and something needs to get done, you call on the warrior and you know you're, the warrior puts emotions aside. Warrior can't feel emotions on the battlefield. Like that's not the warrior's role. So you call on the warrior to get through things when, when you need to like just not feel for a little while to like get a job accomplished, warrior. Mm-hmm. But if the warrior's on the throne and you don't realize the warrior's on the throne, the warrior is just going to keep keep running the show because he's like, well, the king's not here. Someone's got to do this job, right? (laughs) So the warrior will just keep pushing, keep driving. And that becomes a life. Becomes Uh like, I got to push and drive each day and every day. 
but but the king on the throne sits and pauses and observes and like looks at the kingdom very strategic very high level overview and can see when the warrior isn't really needed right now Mm. But if you don't have that higher perspective, if the warrior, you've just gotten used to the warrior sitting on the throne, it can lead to a lot of like overwork, overwhelm, stress, anxiety. Got it. Got it. Cool. Let's, since we've, we've talked about the archetypes on this podcast before, and since you seem pretty grounded in them, let's, let's, let's play a little game for a second if you're down. Okay. Imagining an actual royal court and we, yeah. we agree that the king is sitting on the throne. Where do you position the warrior, the lover and the magician and also, do you include Jester in there too? Because some people say, think bring the fool into that or... In general, I just keep it to those four. To those as four. As the archetypes go. Okay, yeah. so, so paint us a picture of where you think like the, a well-integrated human or male, masculine, whatever we call it, has those figures positioned and what roles they're playing. For me, the warrior wouldn't be in the, in the castle, right? The warrior would be training or out on the out on the internal like training grounds like ready for when he's needs to be called out it's interesting because i guess yeah this is a great question i love this yeah i don't see them in the same room with the the king and Hmm. queen they're kind of doing their own thing to get summoned when needed the the lover is the boundless energy the like the receiving energy so Hmm. being able to to call on that when uh, the deep experience of feeling is needed and you know, the magician is there to for the alchemy to understand the deeper workings of, of the world. Mm. But I'm gonna answer. I'm gonna kind of not answer your question. Yeah, go for what, it. <laughs> what, what I actually find is more relevant is that it's usually not the warrior or the lover or the magician that's on the throne. Mm-hmm. And I know we've talked about it a few times in this call, but it's usually a wounded wounded version of the person mm-hmm. is sitting on the throne. Like 95 percent of the time, people are running around with a wounded like. The, the wounded child is sitting on the throne, mm. calling in the warrior, calling in the, the lover, calling in the magician, but like all to like hold on to some sense of control to make sure that like the protection happens, that, that my grip on reality and that I'm safe and that I'm protected. So it's just like constant, like utilizing all these archetypes to keep you safe when there's, like you said before, it, it's pointless. Like there is no sense of real safety and it's preventing the actual full expression of the man. So, so pretty much you're saying Joffrey Baratheon is sitting on the throne for, <laughs> for all, the, all the wounded guys out there. <laughs> right. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As a, as a, I'm, I'm kind of joking around, but I, I, that's what I think of is like that wounded boy who's, you know, calling upon these different archetypes to carry out his vision that he doesn't really, you know, the vision that he has that comes from a wounded place. Um, yeah. And yeah, I know I kind of put you on the spot with that. I'll, I'll just I'll just share mine quickly because I've never really thought of it this way. Mm. But so I imagine the king sitting on the throne mm. and the warrior is maybe a few feet in front of the king standing guard, but also waiting for the orders from the king to go execute the mm. vision. Because that's I think of warrior energy as the one who goes and executes the king's mm. the king's orders. Yep. Yep. Um, and then I think of the uh, the magician. I also think of I think of a kind of a mystic or a sorcerer type mm-hmm. of person, the the wizard in the room, yep. Yep. Uh, whisp, whispering in the king's ears, almost mm. sitting next to standing next mm. to the throne, not manipulating yep. the king, but informing the king of the other realms that he that he may not be able to tap into from mm. his from his perspective. Mm-hmm. And then the lover is sort of to me, it's just that archetypal person who's 
who's laughing. There's a smile on the lover's face. Somebody yeah. who's just present in the court, but doesn't have a formal position. He's a little mm-hmm. more free flowing. And lo- I, I tend to roll the lover and the fool into one because I think that playfulness and that gentle love tend to go together. At least that's, yeah. that, that's what works for me. So they're kind of dancing around the court and, you know, throwing yeah. arms over the soldiers <laughs> and things like that. Just, just remembering yeah, yeah. like, like bring some joy into the world. Like yeah, it doesn't yeah, have to yeah. be so serious totally. all the time. So uh, yeah, man, thanks for, thanks for playing along with that one. Cause that's, yeah. that, that's kind of a fun way to imagine. I like it on that. A different I, like, scale. I like your, I like your vision of it. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's awesome. Awesome, man. So talking about internal kingdom, I know you, you mentioned, you alluded to it already, but I know you said this is a big part of your message is creating more spaciousness, more peace. It seems like less emphasis on the hard driving precision of the masculine mm-hmm. and inviting more femininity into the space. So do you want to speak about that before we start to tie things up here? Yeah, yeah. To me, it's it's all about the sacred pause mm. is because there's a lot of pressure on men right now. And there always is, but there's a lot of pressure to to get it right, to provide, to to not look weak, whatever weak means to any individual man. And so there's this, and I see it time and time again, the physical illness that comes with it, the pressure of the overwhelm of the, the working and the fear that if I let go, if I just let go for a little bit of my grip on who I believe I need to be and how much money I believe I need to have. And so the thrones live in the heart and the heart is connected to a wider range of information. Like there, there's a neural network that's way more powerful than the neural network in our brain. And then the heart though is like the real deep connection to, you know, I don't want to get too esoteric, but it, it is the deep connection to spirit. And mm-hmm. the king is also known as the medium, mm-hmm. the medium between material world and the spiritual world. And it, it's hard for me to talk about the feminine without talking about spirit. And I know it might not be for everyone, but what I'd encourage anyone listening is to just, if there's a little bit of openness to this idea that you can receive support from a higher intelligence than you, whether you call it God, whether you call it spirit, whether you you know call it a spirit guide or a particular angel or whatever it is, that there's a higher intelligence that is keeping the planets in orbit, keeping all of this stuff moving that we have access to, that we came from, that mm. we came from the cosmos, entered into this human experience, and we can connect to it. And we connect to it through the heart. And we connect to the heart through the pause, through the listening, through the receiving. And it does, it takes that on, on a tiny level, you know, it takes just in a day, you can stop the doing for a little bit and start being. Like, I always talk about this, like, what? how does a jetty be, right? <laughs> like, if we think about eagles, right? Eagles, they're like one of the things they're doing is flapping their wings, right? The, that's how they, they fly and they move through the air. But they're just being an eagle, right? Mm. The doing happens through the eagle. The flapping mm. the wings happens through the eagle. They're just being an eagle. So how does a jetty be? How does an Orion be? How does a John be? Like what is the being? And stopping the doing long enough to hear that, to receive the inspiration from within your heart that is connected to a larger divine intelligence of what you came here to do, who you came here to be, through all the conditioning and all the gunk that was picked up along the way, to allow yourself to pause and receive and trust that nothing's going to fall apart, that everything will fall together. And that's the main idea. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I love that, man. I think it makes me think of something I know has been, I don't know who said it originally, but it's been said a lot that, you know, the lar- the largest, the longest journey that a man travels in his life is from his mind to his heart. Yeah. And I, I interpret that largely to be the the journey from the, that masculine mindset that lives in the mind and the logic of the mind into the heart, which, you know, in yeah. conjunction with what you said is, is more, more feminine, more connected to spirit, the, the mystic, 
the mystical realms, the esoteric mm-hmm. realms, the abstract realms. You know, I guess what I'm coming away with in this conversation is another deeper invitation to really, for every man, every one of us, to decide who we are, what is the truest balance of these masculine and feminine forces we have in ourselves that makes us feel good, that makes us feel authentic and connected and aligned, and really owning that, taking ownership of it, because that's bound to bring things up, especially the guys who think that they need to be more masculine, but truly feel more feminine, more creative. How many how many guys have, have we heard of who, you know, they went to school to get a business degree because that's what their father or whoever wanted them to do, but really they wanted to go to art school. They wanted to develop yep. their creativity, their artistic expression. So that, that's what I'm coming away from is just a, another permission slip. To, de- to declare and decide who we each are as men and to live that fully. Yeah, and to hear it, to hear it, it's there. It's there in us. And that, that's the biggest thing is to, to pause long enough mm. to hear the truth within, to, to not just keep doing the things, doing the list, doing all of it. And, and the access point for me that has changed my life significantly has been that surrender to, and man, there's been times where like, I don't know how I'm going to, like in the, even in, like six months ago, my life, seven months ago, yeah, my life blew up in my face. And, and this has happened so many times in my life <laughs> where like literally in my evolution process, I shifted my internal kingdom so much that my external kingdom just like, it didn't fit anymore. And it was like, pfft, like within six days, lost my car. I was working at a job at the time and got laid off and lost my relationship within six days. Boom. And none of it was expected. My boss had told me he was maybe going to hand the company over to me over time. My girlfriend, we were planning on getting married and having kids and just gone. Hmm. And, you know, the, the space, that's what I'm talking about though, the space, like sometimes we're so afraid of losing what we have that we're not allowing that to realize that what we have isn't what we want because we're not giving time to honor our truth because our truth is so externally oriented towards I'm getting validation from this partner. I'm getting validation from this job. But in reality, my work was to fully commit, stop doing this coaching part-time, stop doing this work part-time. And I wasn't creating the space for it, but I did the internal work to align to it. So the external world made the space for me. And it's been nothing but miracles ever since. But, and, but what that took was to not then immediately fill that space up with just more distractions. It's like taking the pause, trusting, like that's where the receiving comes in. It's like, all right, I've done this too many times now. I need to pause here. What is my path? What do I really want to do? What is my heart pulling me towards? And then starting to take action on that and trust. And there's been times earlier in life and even like when this first happened where I didn't know how I was going to, like there was bills that were due in the next day or two days, I had no idea how they were going to come. And I was leading up to that, like, I should get a job, I should do that. I'm like, no, that's not what I'm hearing in my heart. And that that day, a new client would come or a new thing would come. And it's just these miracles can start happening. It's not, it is grounded magic. Like what I'm talking about can sound really spacey and esoteric, but it's, it is the root foundation for truly living like the, the life that is desired and skipping this part keeps people in cycles of strategies and doing and trying to figure it out. So it's like this part I'm trying to bring into into to people's empowerment so that they can do this for themselves. Yeah. Wow, man. If that's not a cherry on top, I don't know <laughs> what is. I really like the way that you tied it all together there at the end. And just really a, a great conversation, man. You know, I would say this. I don't think we've opened up a lot of new territory, but looking yeah. at the same territory from a different lens, which mm-hmm. I think is really valuable. And I appreciate 
all the wisdom that you sprinkled in there, man. And, and the way that you own who you are. Like I can clearly see that I'm, I'm sure it took a lot. I'm sure it's been a journey. Like you said, many explosions on the path to becoming who you are today. But I just really honor the journey that I can tell that you've walked, man. And I appreciate you bringing all of that here. Thank you so much for the opportunity to have this chat with you. It was awesome. And I hope I hope for, for more chats in the future and, and with you. And just really appreciate what you're doing here with the podcast. And yeah, thanks again. You got it, man. Well, you're not off the hook yet. I got a few lightning round questions for oh, you. Cool. And then uh, <laughs> we're going to give everybody a chance to know where they can find you, follow you and work with you. So you ready awesome. for the lightning bolts to come at you? Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> All right. So uh, first one, what is one thing that you learned in your life that you wish you knew back when you were 18? The biggest thing was is probably that, because when I was 18, my biggest thing was just dying for romance, you know, mm. and wanting a woman to love me and trying so hard to get it all right. And to realize now the amount of amazing women that I've called into my life over time and the, the beautiful intimacy I've gotten to experience has all been a result of returning to like building that trust in myself of who I am. So just being able to go and tell my 18-year-old self that, wow, he worried so much. <laughs> he was in so much pain to just like let him know that, hey, you're on the track. You can't rush your healing. Just, just keep looking at the parts of yourself. Every relationship is just a teacher mm-hmm. and that there's no person that is going to make you right or make you feel feel good and yeah that would probably be the biggest thing well said man my, my 18 year old self needed to hear that too <laughs> so thanks <laughs> yeah. for that one and what do you think is the most important value to have as a man mm, the first word that popped to mind is integrity mm-hmm. you know i uh, of all of the of all of the values it's integrity of self less so of integrity with others but integrity with your with their own truth like doing the doing the 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 deeper internal looking in to know what the truth is and being in integrity with it. Awesome, man. So last but not least, where can people find you, follow you, connect with you? Any exciting things coming up where guys can jump into your space and work with you? Uh, you can find me on orionahev.com. So I offer a 60-minute divine masculine activation session on there where we kind of dive into vision and goals and what's currently challenging you and try to activate some parts within you that may have been dormant or clear some things out of the way for that activation to occur. Then at the end, if there's resonance, we can explore the different options. I also have a group program that's starting on November 21st called the Kingdom Academy. It's a Kingdom Academy group program. And it's all about mastering your internal kingdom, understanding and aligning your vehicle, and then from an aligned place, hearing your truth, hearing your purpose, hearing your passion, finding your center in that, and then leading into how to stay in that center when you're relating with others. So that's a four-month program ending in a live retreat. Amazing brothers have already joined from all over the country. So I'm looking for a few more spots, uh, a few more people to fill spots. Facebook, you can find me there. I also have a men's group called Conscious Men United that has meetings in the California area, but there's also some online stuff going on. So those are the main ways. That's awesome, man. I love what you're doing. I love what you're creating in the world. It was great to get to know you a bit better by having this conversation, man. And like I said before, I appreciate everything that you've done, all the walks that you've walked in your life, all the fires that you've crossed through in order to be here and to have the wisdom that you have to share with us, man. Thanks again for taking the time. Thanks, brother. It's been a pleasure. 
this episode was such a great reminder for me, man, that especially in doing this work, in men's work, I tend to spend time in the masculine space. I found in my personal life, I needed to cultivate more of a healthy masculine when I got to adulthood. And that there's many men out there who feel more naturally inclined towards their feminine expression and that none of it is wrong. That if we identify as men, that is our right to choose that. And that masculinity is not synonymous with manhood necessarily, at least not for this man. For this man, myself, I believe that man is a title that we declare, that we give ourselves, that we choose. And masculinity is a way of being. It's a set of characteristics, qualities, expressions, and behaviors that are the counterpart to the feminine. And I think it's been all too natural to associate masculinity with being a man. And I, the man that I choose to be is more highly masculine than feminine, but there's so many wonderful feminine qualities that I enjoy, like creativity and flow, especially in, in my martial arts practices. So I hope that this conversation triggered and opened up something for you while you're listening, whether you're a man or a woman, just this dialogue and this differentiation between man and woman and masculine and feminine and really deciding what that means for us so that we can be clear about what is true for ourselves. Like Orion was saying, that truest form of self-expression, how can we access that in a bigger and better way? So hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Quick reminder to make sure you sign up for our Rising Man Fire Circles. Get yourself in there. Seriously, guys, if you don't have a support system, if you don't have a circle of men that you're diving into the trenches with on a regular basis, there's no reason you can't have that anymore. The fire circles are here. It's $67 a month. Literally, don't go out to eat at the restaurant once this month and you got it right there. And on top of that, the return from that investment of having connections with men from all over the world, special training sessions with myself and my team, guest presenters. It's, it's a no-brainer. We're literally building a culture from the ground up. And so having more of you guys step into that space who want to contribute, who want to be a part of developing that and spreading this network of rising man culture all over the world, that's where you got to be. Whether it's the fire circles or if you want to join us belly to belly and come out and fast in the desert this spring, all that information is over at risingman.org. So go check it out. I love being able to say that. Go to risingman.org. Everything is there. Ah, so good. Including the show notes with links and resources for this episode where you can find Orion and get more involved in his work. As always, please subscribe to the Rising Man podcast. Please follow us. Hit us with those five stars. Let us know what you think of the show because we read that stuff and we make adjustments based on how everything is landing for you guys. So thank you for doing that in advance. All you guys who've been showing love to not only the podcast, but also our new YouTube channel, which you guys should go check it out and subscribe to as well appreciating that appreciating all the love in the comments all the fuel and energy that's been going into this rising man movement especially heading into 2020 has been huge so check us out on youtube check out risingman.org if you don't follow us on instagram already the handle is at rising man movement thank you in advance power team you guys know i love you but let me say i love you and i appreciate you so much every single one of you guys like there's no way this becomes possible without you guys being here we have grown exponentially already and it's just the beginning so julian mark rowan sean i i really appreciate you guys so much and i'm excited for what we're going to create this year and for all you guys who are starting to get tired of hearing these guys names get used to it <laughs> because i'm gonna let these guys know every single time every single time we put out an episode it's important to acknowledge what it takes to make all this come together so thank you power squad i love you guys and every single one of you guys who are listening i appreciate you just as much until next time rise up and claim your destiny <laughs>